I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have the great honor of having Gail Tifford with me, who is the Chief Brand Officer of WW International, formerly known as Weight Watchers. Gail, hi, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Look, I'm looking at you. You're smiling. It's infectious. I'm excited. Um, I can't wait to dig in. You have so many wonderful things to share with us. But let's start with what inspired you to take on your role at WW International? So let's put it this way. I never thought that I would be where I am today. I had been at Unilever for almost 21 years. And really was so happy there and still challenged and excited and and loved what I was doing. And I got a phone call one day from a recruiter. And someone had said, always answer those calls, even if you're not interested. And so I picked up the phone and and I chatted with the recruiter, who I happened to, to know. And she said, I have the job for you. And I was like, Jenna, no. And I said, well, what is it? And she said, it's the chief brand officer of Weight Watchers, because this was pre-transformation. And I had two reactions. Mm -hmm. My first reaction was like, oh, my God, this is a brand that changed my life. And Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a little bit about that. And so that was my first reaction. And then my second reaction was, it's just not relevant to me anymore. And so I was really torn to be quite honest. And she said, look, I I just want you to go and have breakfast with the CEO. And she said, it's this woman, Mindy Grossman. Well, being in the CPG world, I had never heard Mindy Grossman's name. So Mm. for me, it wasn't, you know, I was like, okay, but I don't really want to waste her time. And Jana said, just go have breakfast with her. And I said, okay, you know what, the fact to even meet a female CEO of a public company was in and of itself so exciting to me. So I went and I had breakfast with Mindy. Mm -hmm. And an hour later, I walked away saying, oh, my God, I want this job. (laughs) (laughs) It was just the most incredible hour um, that I had spent. And I was so inspired and so excited by her vision um, for the company. And so the personal story and, and the reason why I said, oh, my God, I love this brand. It changed my life is 
almost 17 years ago when I was working at Unilever. My son was about 18 months old. I was three or four weeks pregnant with my second child, and my husband woke up one morning and coughed up blood in the shower. Oh, my God. And we knew it wasn't good. So we went to quite a few doctors, and he was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. He had testicular cancer, which had metastasized to his lungs, his abdomen, his liver. And they really didn't think that he was going to survive. We flew out to Indiana to see Dr. Einhorn, who had treated Lance Armstrong, who invented the cure for testicular cancer. And he basically said, when are you due with your daughter? And he said, I just hope your husband could be Mm. here to see her be born. And so we came back to New York, and my husband is a surgeon, and and he was like, I'm not taking this for an answer. And so we did a lot of research, and we found a high-dose chemo with stem cell replacement, a experimental therapy at Sloan Kettering. And he said, I'm going to do this. Mm. So it was nine months of hell. Mm. And I, you know, I couldn't drink. I couldn't take medication. And so I ate and I ate and I ate. And so it was in and out of hospitals. We were really fortunate. We lived in a community where we had amazing friends, amazing family. And so fast forward nine months later, he was at the birth of my daughter. He was there. He slept through the whole thing, but okay. (laughs) And my daughter, Catherine Hope, was born on July 10th. And the next morning, my best friend came to drive me home from the hospital, and um, my husband's mother came and drove him down mm. to Sloan Kettering for an eight-hour double thoracotomy. Wow. And so through miracles of medicine, he's here with us today, wow. almost 17 years later. But it you know, changed our lives indefinitely. And, but after Kate was born, I, I had a really hard time losing the weight. And for someone who I never really, up to then, had to think about my weight, it was really hard for me. And I became very depressed. I didn't want to go back to work. I didn't even want to leave the house. And so one day, I woke up and I said, you know what? I'm going to join Weight Watchers and Curves. I don't know if you remember Curves. I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were right next to each other yes, in Greenwich. Right. And, um, and I, joined, I joined Weight Watchers. And... I lost my weight, um, but even more than that, I gained my confidence and I gained education about how I take care of myself and how I feed myself and, and what I eat. And so that's why when I heard Weight Watchers, I, you know, it was, it was a love-hate thing. It mm-hmm. brought back really painful times for me, but, but it also, I think, allowed me to go on and, and live my life. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So... Ooh, that the very moving story, and I, I don't even have any words to say truly how incredible it is that you got through all that, and um, and that luckily he's still here uh, with you and your your beautiful family. Uh, so I'm happy for your whole family for that. And it is interesting how life works in such mysterious ways that all of a sudden you got this call, and um, now you are leading this company, having personally gone through this at an earlier time in your life? Like, how do you feel, like, now that you took the role, like, how are you feeling today? I mean, it's, it is the biggest responsibility that I've ever had in my Mm -hmm. entire life because this brand truly transforms people's lives. And 
wherever I go, it's it's amazing. Wherever I go and people find out what I do, mm-hmm. everybody has a story and everybody wants to share that story. And it's just, it, it's really beautiful, but it is a sense of responsibility that any decision you make mm-hmm. could impact, you know, someone's life directly. Yeah. I come from a world where I was creating shampoos and soaps and it's ve- it just is very different when mm-hmm. you're actually you know, work on a brand that is living with people day in and day out. They're sharing what they're putting into their body, how Mm. they're moving their body. So I feel incredibly grateful to be able to to work at this company, but I feel a tremendous sense of responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. And as a chief brand officer, tell me a little bit about your role and the kinds of things that you're looking at. So... It was interesting because I think most people, they still say, oh, well, you're the chief marketing officer. <laughs> and for me, being the chief brand officer is is actually a, a much wider purview into the experience um, of the brand. And so every touch point for this brand is something that I'm responsible for. And so it is a very complicated business. We are many different types of businesses in one. At the heart of it, we serve our members, but we're a tech company. We have an app and we have great product and tech and engineering people. We're a membership company. And with that, you know, what types of partnerships and people do you work with? We're a hospitality business. We have over 30,000 meetings a week around the world. Um, We now call them workshops. We are in the consumer products business. We sell products that help our members on their journey. So it's we're we're a content company, <laughs> and so it's it's really. What aren't you? Is that the easier that, question? That, <laughs> and so on any given day, I could be doing something so different. So every touch point that a consumer is interacting is something that I have to oversee. So whether it's something they're eating, whether it's content they're consuming, whether it's a workshop they're attending, whether it's the experience in the app, those are all things that I get to be involved in. Okay. So really, really interesting. Let me me just ask, because I actually don't know the answer to this question. Do you have a chief marketing officer too, or do you have all of this rolling up into you? So we don't have a chief marketing officer. We do have a head of global marketing. Okay. And she reports into me. So I have a global marketing I have, which is focused on recruitment, and then we have somebody who is focused solely on retention and how we um, give our members the most value. We have e-commerce, we have content, we have visual design, retail experience. So those are all verticals that really create the entire experience for our members. Wow. Okay. So I want to talk more about... Some of the cool things that you're doing at WW International. But before we do that, I mean, I just jotted down as you were talking, one, two, three, four, five, six different things. I mean, these are all distinct fields in and of themselves. How did you prepare for this role? (laughs) (laughs) On the job training? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I don't know if if – I would have considered, don't tell my boss this, but I don't know if I was if I was prepared. But I think if you keep the member and the consumer at the heart of it, you do some on-the-job learning. And sometimes you learn the hard way, and sometimes you have some home runs. Yeah. Tell me about a home run, because you have a lot of them. Oh, well, 
I mean, look, I think specifically as it as it relates to to WW, we launched first ever rewards program. Mm. And the rewards program is unlike any other where most rewards programs reward you for spending money. This program actually rewards you for taking actions that create healthy habits. And so if you track a meal or if you attend a workshop, you get wins and -hmm. then you can redeem those wins and for merchandise, for partnerships. So I was at a workshop on Sunday and I heard one of the members was talking about how she had done such a good job tracking because we know that Mm -hmm. leads to accountability and more success. Mm -hmm. And she was able to redeem her wins for a yoga mat. Mm. And she said, she said, first of all, it was such the nicest yoga mat. Like she was surprised <laughs> it was such nice quality. And she said, I opened up this box and it was like, congratulations. We're so, you know, proud of you. And and she said, you know, and I had never been to a yoga class. And I'm going to my first, she was going to her first yoga class wow. after. So that's something that um, the team worked really, really hard on that I'm incredibly proud that we were able to bring to market. That is great. I love that, that you're rewarding people for taking action to improve their healthy habits. So we call it wellness wins. Wellness wins. Okay. And I actually really believe in trackers. I actually developed my own trackers when I'm not sure which one I want to use. But I was teasing you earlier, but I am really serious. You know, I saw Linda Boff tweeted that she just uh, jumped on board. And uh, I want to sign up for this because I do need to start tracking again. So we'll talk afterwards. But I I love what you're doing there. And you know what? I think that the tracking is really important. And in fact, one of the members at this at the workshop, she was talking about, do I always have to track? It's, it's like a disease. And, yeah. You know, I kind of raised my hand. I try not to talk in the workshop, but I raised my hand. And I, started, I said, you know, I actually like equate it to balancing my checkbook. Mm-hmm. It holds me accountable. Right. And, and she was like, oh, I like that so much better than I think it's a disease. But it's, it's the tracking. It's also the education. Right. It's so confusing, all the headlines out there Mm. every day. Kale is good. Kale is bad. Carbs are good. Carbs are bad. And so there's this whole education piece that Mm -hmm. it helps take the mystery out of what you're putting in your body and makes it really simple to develop healthier eating patterns. Yeah, interesting. That is funny. Actually, somebody texted me just last week that kale is now bad for you. And um, (laughs) I was like, I I'm said, okay with that one. I'm like, me too. Me too, actually. I've, I've really tried. I'm so I've, over kale. I'm so over it, too. I totally, tr- I totally tried. Um, that, no offense, kale. No offense, kale. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, they, that that should not be in your eating choices then, right? Yes. Or like at yes. least avoid that one. That's great. Because <laughs> anything that starts with kale is going to not be a success <laughs> for me. Okay. Awesome. Well, okay. So let's, let's go back to the moment then when you first joined Weight Watch as a customer of Weight Watchers and that experience compared to where you are now and like how how different is it? So the first thing is that I was struck by is how similar it is. Okay. It is the most human-centric brand and whether I worked in walked into a meeting 60 almost 17 years ago or a workshop today the inspiration of the coach of the person leading the meeting, the empathy that they have towards people, the tips and tricks and tools and techniques are amazing. And the vulnerability of people 
I mean, what people share sitting in this this room is like blows your mind. Mm-hmm. And I mean, people will open up and talk about because it's it's so they're there because they want to lose weight, mm-hmm. but they leave with so much more than that and the support. So that's all kind of stayed the same. I think what's different, the technology and the tools mm-hmm. that we're able to deliver. Mm-hmm. I mean, the app is one of the highest rated apps in the app store and it is with the barcode scanner and the recipes and the restaurant guides. It's just an amazing resource, and it makes it takes so much guesswork. I mean, I remember I used to walk around with a book, right, and having to like do things and weigh things. Mm-hmm. So that is, I think, a big, big differentiator, and that allows us to do things like wellness wins. Mm-hmm. And I think also the program, like mm-hmm. the freestyle program that we have now, there are over two hundred zero point foods. So like. Wow. Salmon, things I love, fruits, Mm -hmm. vegetables, salmon, chicken. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it really, you never, ever feel deprived. Mm -hmm. And you can go out to dinner with your girlfriends. I could drink a glass of wine at night Mm -hmm. because I can, in my mind, say this is what I need to eat to schedule that. So I think the program has come a long way as well as the technology. But the the human part of it Mm -hmm. is just is exactly the same. Oh wow! Okay, I want to I want to talk more about uh, all the cool things that you're doing there. Especially want to hear about some of the cool partnerships, and you have a lot of incredible spokespeople. But before we jump into that, a lot of people probably would think or would have said, with limited knowledge, that Weight Watchers would be primarily women focused. But it's for everyone, right? Yes. And um, but having said that, you know, women do tend to require or need or even just want kind of a special touch, a little bit different kind of coaching. And you've been such a huge champion your entire career in helping women no matter what, whether it's navigating their weight or whether it's being a uh, an advocate for women, how they're portrayed in media, to helping women develop in their careers. You are the co-founder of something really incredible, which is See Her. And so I want to make sure we have enough time to talk about that. So let's come back to Weight Watchers, okay. WW International <laughs> now. and But tell me about See Her because I think it all comes together beautifully. Okay. So See Her started about, gosh, it was a little over three years ago, and it was at a girls' lounge, Shelly's, yeah, Shelly's Alice's event, and we were sitting around just drinking wine, and it was me, Shelly, and Megan Smith, who at the time was the chief technology officer um, under Obama, mm-hmm. and we're sitting in Washington, D.C., And we were just talking about, like, gender equality and, like, why are we still talking about it this many years later? Like, Mm -hmm. what is happening and why isn't progress moving as quickly as we would like to? And Megan was talking about it within the realm of STEM and Mm -hmm. how they could not get enough girls into STEM. Shelly was talking about what she was doing in corporate America and gender equality in the workforce. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm such a little thinker, but I'm thinking about my 13-year-old daughter who has no positive role models, like, on TV or on the content. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. I remember, as a child, the Anjali commercial. Do you Mm -hmm. remember that? I can bring home the bacon. Yes, I do. Fry it up in a pan. (laughs) And, I mean, that would I actually sing that to my husband. (laughs) (laughs) I do, too. (laughs) (laughs) Except I say the turkey bacon. Um, And it was this light bulb went off in my head that media creates culture. I was in media at the time at Unilever. That means I 
and media, I can create culture. And there was like this light bulb that mm-hmm. went off. And, you know, Shelly, Megan, and I, I said, well, what do you guys think about this? Like, if we can leverage the, the $50 billion worth of advertising to impact change in an industry, and they were like, honestly, they didn't think I was crazy. Which was, I was like, wait, what? And so we went to the ANA, which I had been involved with. I had been leading the, a- the Alliance for Family Entertainment. And I went to them and said, we should be doing this. Mm-hmm. And this is before Me Too. This is before Time's Up. So mm-hmm. this was really – and Bob Leides, who was is the head of the ANA, said, this is a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. We should absolutely do this. And Stephen Quinn um, yeah. got on board and, and Patty Kerr, who's mm-hmm. now our executive director, who's really the glue. And we went to the top 50 marketers. And they all said, we're in. And then we're like, uh-oh, what do we do now? It's <laughs> a great idea. And so, you know, we organized under two principles. One was, how do we get our own house in order? How do we get our advertising not to perpetuate stereotypes? And so mm-hmm. with Shelley's research background, she helped us create what we call the GEM score, mm-hmm. the gender equality metric. And under the premise that my ex-CEO, Paul Pullman, used to say, you treasure what you measure. Right. And so Shelley created this GEM score. And so we started scoring ads to see where people, people's advertising fell. And we realized, there's a lot of work to be done. So we kicked off a whole initiative around toolkits and unconscious bias training and how do we get marketers to really think about their advertising in mm-hmm. a different way. The second step was what do we do then with the content that, that we're then going to put our advertising in mm-hmm. and working with the biggest content creators. And we started with TV networks because that's mm-hmm. where the leverage was. We, you know, That's where the leverage of the advertising spend came in. And so last Friday, we had a full day from 8 to 10 in the morning. We had um, all of the networks come in and Mm. present their slate for 2019 through the filter of CHER and all the things that they were doing, which was just amazing to see um, Mm. how they are building it into not only the content, but then also the pipeline. So the casting, the directors, et cetera. So how it really impacts the whole kind of supply chain mm-hmm. of making um, of making a program. And so that was the morning. And then the afternoon, we had panels with agency people, clients, and great discussion around how do we get even better. And we set out a goal for a 20% increase by 2020. Mm-hmm. We've already exceeded that. So now we're saying, you know, 100% increase by wow. 2020. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Well, good for you guys and, and amazing. I mean, obviously, you and Shelly combined, wow, you guys really know how to put your mind to something and, and make something beautiful happen. I love this concept of you don't treasure what you don't measure tying back to what you're doing at WW International, too. You've got to be able to measure your progress. And you just had a really interesting announcement just a couple days ago, right? You know, you just brought in two new people to be the co-chair of CHER. Yes, yes. Who are those people? So Mark Pritchard, Mm -hmm. who is the global chief marketing officer of Procter & Gamble, and Fiona Carter, who's the chief brand officer at AT AT&T. And um, they have been, over the past two years, two of the biggest supporters for the initiative, which has been really helpful because Mm -hmm. they have really big pocketbooks. (laughs) (laughs) Big checkbooks that they can write, and that that really helps. Um, But, you know, they are really both committed to it and have Mm -hmm. 
done numerous workshops. They've done numerous works with their agency. And in fact, on Friday, we just saw some of P&G's new advertising. It's fabulous. Mm. It's really fabulous. And I think this whole idea of unlocking unconscious bias is creating innovation mm-hmm. and actually generating more creativity than we've seen. So I'm I'm so excited by the results that we're seeing. And their advertising is outperforming. Mm-hmm. So they're, the business results that are tied to Gem are mm-hmm. really – it's amazing when you're doing – good, mm-hmm. but you're doing good business at the same time. Yeah. And so I think this is something that is the holy grail that, that we've been able to crack with See Her. I love it. You know, one of my very first podcast ever on uh, CMO Moves was, it's actually number three that was released, was Antonio Lucio, who at the time was the CMO of HP. Yeah. And I love what you were talking about earlier about it goes all the way down to not just the final ad product, but who's on the team behind it and who's really behind the creative process and how do you bring that diversity uh, mindset into the equation, not just say the words, but do it. He's now obviously the CMO of Facebook, but he was also working on a tool to not just say it brings business results, because intuitively we all know this, right? It is absolutely good for business to have a diverse mindset, whether it's age or ethnicity yep. or income, it doesn't matter. Having just a difference of, of thinking in the room fuels that creativity, like you were saying. 100%. But how do you actually get down to this is the ROI? And I know he was working on it and actually was able to get it so far as to say, like, the best performing ad or creative piece that he had coming out of a new team that included more than 50% women on the creative team was actually, it was tied directly to it. When they made that shift, yep. he had the best result. Yep. It's really hard to do that unequivocally, though. So how do you, how do, you do that with the GEM score? Well, just taking GEM out mm-hmm. of it. If we think about consumers, females make, mm-hmm. what, 80, 85% of the, of the purchase decisions. Mm-hmm. And then you have 70% of women mm-hmm. who don't see themselves in advertising. Mm-hmm. Marketing 101 yeah. is your consumer has to relate. Right. And so right off the bat, like I used to laugh and say, we're not doing our job as marketers if our consumers cannot see themselves in the ad. So like point blank, it's almost marketing principle 101. So that's fine. But then what we have been able to do is look at the gem scores and look at the the campaign results based on what those gem scores mm-hmm. are. And, and I know Mark will be one of the first to say that it's driving business results. Right. We certainly saw that at Unilever. Mm-hmm. So the data is there, but I think what's even scarier is if you don't do it. Right. You become irrelevant. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. There's the cost, the opportunity cost. Scott Galloway used to say, you know, he when talking about digital, and I, I always, I always, this always stuck with me, that organizations are so concerned with ROI, 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 and mm-hmm. he's like. It's actually like the risk of ignoring, you know, mm-hmm. is is higher yeah. than sometimes doing that. And so I just think sometimes you just have to say, I know this is the right thing to do for my business mm-hmm. and, and go and do it. I could not agree with you more. Absolutely. And also I want to say very uh, publicly, thank you so much. I could not be more honored that you are now our chairwoman of our Women Trailblazers Council. We are going to Thank learn. Thank you for, for asking me. Oh, my gosh. I mean, like, we're going to learn so much from you and help to share in 
your mission to help women all over the world. And so with that, I'd like to just turn it over to you and say if you could give some advice to women out there who are trying to build their careers, what would it be? Oh gosh. I mean, I feel like I've been giving I've been giving a lot of advice lately. It's not like I've found all the answers, but I'll tell you some things that have helped me. One is be open to everything and everyone. Like mm-hmm. I my career has been very circuitous. I mean, I started as a lawyer and then I went to be an assistant brand manager, you know, wow. because they were my client and I loved spending time with them and I was inspired and and the category director at the time became a woman by the name of Laura Clauber became my mentor and hired me away from my law career. Wait, I just want to get that right. You went from being a lawyer to yes. an assistant brand manager. On Q-tips, yes. On Q-tips. <laughs> Best brand ever. <laughs> Very upset that they <laughs> took the wood sticks away, but yes. <laughs> yes. That is, we're going to talk about that in the next podcast, <laughs> but <laughs> keep going. I'm sorry. I just had to, I, I had to like yeah. do my a parents, double check. My parents love that one. <laughs> I love that one. But yeah, so I, and and then I spent many years at Unilever, but I wasn't on a path where I had to be a VP of marketing by this time. I, you know, if there was an opportunity, I was a marketing excellence director where I trained the marketing personnel. I went out and I did sales for a year. Never need to do that again. It was the scariest <laughs> job I've ever had. But, you know, I, I had a very different route and I learned so much about myself and different types of people. So I always tell people, just be open mm-hmm. because you never know if you're in this path with blinders on that you have to be at a certain place by a certain time. I, th- I think you miss out on some of life's greatest experiences. So that's one piece of advice. I think the second is that I have a lot of people who say, can you mentor me? Can you mentor me? Mm-hmm. And I will always have a conversation with someone, mm-hmm. always. But I think the ones that really take off are the ones where there is a mutual value exchange. Just because you're young and you may not have all the experiences, don't underestimate the fact that you have something to offer. Mm -hmm. And then the last piece of advice, I I really credit to Carla Harris, who I saw speak at a makers conference once. This was just one of the best piece of advice that she she, um, said, and I'm I'm gonna take some liberties because I can't remember exactly what she Mm -hmm. said, but she basically said that most of like 90% of your career choice, the decisions about your career are going to be made when you're not in the room. Mm. And you need to know who is in that room and who is your champion. And I see it happen now at mm-hmm. the executive committee where people's names will come up. And if no one's fighting for them or championing right. them, they they unfortunately get lost in the system. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just that – so it, it really taught me the difference between what a mentor was and a champion. Right. But really – and I say this to my teams. Look who's in that room. Know who's in that room and make sure that you have people speaking on your behalf. Um, I just thought that was – I wish I could take credit for it being my advice. But <laughs> thank you, Carla. So those are sort of three things I think that I tend to talk to, to younger folks about. Thank you. That is excellent advice. I really appreciate it. Okay. So unfortunately, we're down to my last question. Are you ready for this one? Is it going to make me cry? No, but that is very possible between the <laughs> two of us. You know, uh, I hope it doesn't. Maybe it would. It might make me cry. Um, uh, if you could be doing anything in the world other than what you're doing right now, money and talent are no object, what would you be doing? 
That's a really, really hard question because I sort of feel like I found my calling. Mm-hmm. So you're now asking me to give up my calling and find a new calling. Well, let's just say you have a whole nother 24 hours of every day. Oh. It's just, so you don't have to give up anything. Oh, okay. Then I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I feel better. You know what? I really have never taken the time to see if I have any creative calling. <laughs> and I do believe I, I have started what I think is writing a book. Mm-hmm. I've written 12 chapters. Well, and that's, a, that's already a pretty good start. Well, I don't know if it's any good, but <laughs> the, the whole premise is extraordinary things can happen to ordinary people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've had an extraordinary life and extraordinary things that have happened. And I think I would like to spend some time really cracking that and writing a book to inspire so many people that life can be extraordinary if you keep your eyes open to all possibilities. Wow. And therein is why you are the chairwoman of our Women Trailblazers <laughs> Council. Okay. Uh, I want to read your book. It's kind of funny. It's okay. Kind of funny. Maybe we should serialize it and stream it out over Adweek. Uh, yeah. So we'll do the uh, the column by Gail over here. <laughs> Anyways, Gail, thank you so much for being with me today. I've really appreciated this opportunity to hear all your wonderful advice, your experience, and the extraordinary things that have happened to you. Thank you. And keep doing what you're doing because you continue to inspire so many too. Oh, thank you. Well, have a great night. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi er skide trætte af alle de der podcasts, der forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.